The PWC Network. What the world is watching and listening to. The foreign object, the man with more nicknames than Twitter followers. It's Jeff Lipman. I'm sitting in for Jimmy T. And with me is Chris Ams coming to us from the middle of Canada. How are you, Chris? I'm doing good, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's me. It's uh, Christopher Ams. That's A-M-B-S. Like lambs with no L or bullshit first thing in the morning. If you don't know by now, I'm going to keep saying it. And um, yeah, I honestly, I had to text you when, when I was watching this show. Uh, Jimmy had asked me to, to fill in for him today. And uh, I had to text you while the show was going on. I was like, Jeff, just so I'm sure that my, my TV provider isn't fucking me over here. It's 11 days after New Year's, but it's New Year's Evil. And they're about to have a countdown. Yep. And Jeff goes, no, yeah, that's right. And I literally still had to ask. So... You just watched not Billy and Chuck lose to Gallus, right? And he goes, yep. And I'm like, all right, oh, that's the right show. But That's right. Double confirmation. <laughs> you check the source twice. It's the same source, but double confirmation. So for those of you wondering, uh, you know, why it sounds a little bit different, uh, you, you know, Jimmy will remix this at, at, at some point and probably put the similar entrances in. So I don't know how it's going to sound in the beginning or not. Uh, but yeah, J Jimmy couldn't make it. Uh, I won't even say usually when we do the conflict, because we don't usually do the conflict. It's been a long time since we've usually done the conflict. Our hope is to start usually doing the conflict. And the plan going forward is that it will be Jimmy T and myself, because Chris doesn't generally watch NXT, at least not in real time, if at all. And we don't intend to put that burden on him unnecessarily. Uh, I like NXT, but not everyone does. And a lot of people don't. And and that's okay. Um, and that's why we divide the staffing of our shows. And, you know, we're even thinking about bringing on a couple new faces and, and voices. Uh, 
you know, to help with that, to uh, give us more coverage and, and more perspectives and people who truly enjoy some of the shows that maybe some of us are soured on. Anyway, we don't know if any of that's going to happen. It may just be the three of us forever with the, you know, occasional visitations of Sexy Time Panetta, uh, among others, which is great. I mean, you, you know, everyone knows the cast of characters by now. And if you're listening, you don't mind you. That's that you like that cast of characters. But but, you know, we're working on some things. We'll see how we if we construct them or not anyway so we're coming to you from the capital wrestling center down in orlando for new year's evil again a little bit late uh this is one of the larger in-house crowds i don't know how you could tell but they said they they had six or seven buses full of people in for this very special show i have to be honest with you chris for what was supposed to be a very special show i actually found it to be a little bit disappointing Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched NXT in a very long time. So for me, it's an almost entirely brand new cast of characters. It's an almost entirely, um, you know, brand new set of storylines and things like that. But um, I was I was very, very confused about what I was watching. And also, um, it just didn't it, it didn't feel enough like developmental and it didn't feel enough like a third brand, if that makes sense to you. It felt like it felt like it was too much of too much of both of those things. Because I'm watching some people and I'm thinking, this guy doesn't belong on television. And then all of a sudden the New Day are showing up as the NXT tag team champions. And I'm going, What what? When <laughs> what am I watching? So yeah. yeah, I mean for me. It was disappointing in a lot of ways. There was definitely, you know, I was happy to see some people. Um, but for the most part, it was, this didn't feel like a big deal of a show for something that was, I was told was a big deal of a show. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I felt. Obviously, I asked the question. Um, it is 12, 14 Eastern time on January 11th. So even though this is the conflict, I think we have to say a few words on the breaking news of the day mm -hmm. the only thing that we know for sure is that stephanie mcmahon issued a statement that she has resigned once again as her role as co-ceo that nick Khan, as of now is the sole ceo uh the board of directors unanimously elected vince mcmahon the chairman of the board the board of the 11 members of the board that uh, presided over the removal of Vince McMahon or his resignation or whatever we want to call it. Uh, six of them are now new, including, um, well, Vince was on the board then too as well. He was just recused. Uh, so there's Vince plus five more new ones. So six of the 11 members are new from just six months ago. Um, and then there were rumors all through the night with mate, which made it very distracting to watch NXT take notes because I'm not usually the host. Jimmy's usually the host, but I agreed to be the host of this show um, because I think I'm really the only one that actually typically really enjoys NXT. I mean, oftentimes it's my favorite show of the, of the week to watch. This was not one of those nights. And mostly because they're simple, easy wrestling stories. They remind me sort of of how NWA was when Billy Corgan first restarted it about five years ago on Power. Simple, silly, dopey wrestling stories, not too complicated. Things are always moving. They transition, you know, feud to feud. It makes sense, even doesn't one that doesn't make great sense. You know, you can at least follow it. And, you know, but usually the booking makes some amount of sense. Whether you like it or not is, is different. 
obviously the skill levels are different because it is developmental. It's a gimmick Petri dish. It's an experimentation booth. And a lot of the gimmicks are terrible, but a lot of them go away very quickly. Sometimes the wrestler doesn't go away, like Duke Hudson's in his fourth iteration, but this one's almost working. Um, but that's 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 an aside. Anyway, that's just more about NXA. But here's what we've been hearing. The WWE has been sold. That The sale is either imminent or it's already done. It just hasn't been announced. Most of the news media has shifted from all of the suitors to it is the Saudi public investment fund or public investment trust. Basically, it's the the, the private arm of the Saudi government that is buying entertainment-based uh, businesses like the LIV Golf, uh, like they built Bill bought a uh, soccer team. I think Ronaldo's on that team, um, and you know, among other things, just investing, diversifying, trying to change the image of their company. Everyone's wondering what's that going to mean for women's wrestling? Are they going to change the headquarters? Nobody knows. Nobody thinks so. Saudi Arabia invests in lots of things. They do tend to make the businesses better and invest in them. I mean, they are trying to use that as part of a PR public marketing campaign to, you know, improve or at least cover the image of their nation. Uh, I do note that Qatar just held the, held the World Cup and few people said, Bub, uh, I know they're not the same country, but it's essentially the same type of governance, the same legal system, the the same religious inclinations that you know have the uh, you know the the social contracts. The other bidder that I heard about was NBC or Comcast Universal. They're all one company. I'm not sure what the formal name is. That was the one I was hoping for. It may still be. Uh, I'm not looking at Twitter now, so I don't know if there's any news. I do have Bloomberg news on. They've said nothing about it, period, which, you know, a lot of people say, don't believe anything you see from wrestling reporters until you see it by financial reporters. There's a wisdom to that, except you have to remember, people don't really care about wrestling. So until something is confirmed, I'm not sure that really Bloomberg has anyone dedicated to it. So, a lot of people have confirmed the Saudi thing. We'll see if they're right or if they're wrong. Um, I'm not going to make any prognostications about whether Vince is staying in control or not. Don't know. What this means for Triple H, don't know. What does this mean for all the new talent or existing talent, the staff, don't know. I wouldn't be particularly secure if I was any of them, but that's the same if there's any ownership change. So that's really all I feel like saying about it right now. If you wanted to hear my words on it before, the, there's I'm on the PW Hustle with the professor's perspective. I did a hammerlock hangover last week. And about six months when this first happened, I was on Wrestling Soup with Mish on a, I think they called it a Frank and Mark. Um, and, you know, even though there was the resignation and a, and a, a diversion from what I predicted way back when, uh, in the end, a lot of what I said came out to be Correct. I have to re-listen to the uh, to see if I got the end result right, at least as far as the sale is concerned. I don't think so. Um, but most of the pieces were in there. Do you have anything that you, any comments? Have you been following this at all? Do you have anything you want to add on this? Yeah, so I've definitely been following along, trying to see what's going on, just like everybody else. Um, my 
interest level in anything of it is is probably a little lower than most people on Twitter. It's just because I'm not really a person who spends much time on Twitter. Once there's an actual sale, I'll be much more interested to to discuss it and break it down and see you know what it means for who to buy it. I know that, like you said, uh, Saudi Arabia has been very um, very aggressive. Uh, going after sporting uh, events, going after sporting uh, companies. Um, there's been some talk that they're that they're in the market for a mixed martial arts uh, company as well. Um, so I mean, this would definitely be on brand for them if they're if that's something that they're going to do. Um, NBC Universal makes a lot of sense. Um, they're one of the few companies in you know in holly in the hollywood land or the hollywood sphere that are still in you know acquisition mode in terms of they're still picking things up they're no they're not uh they're they're not um they're not telling everybody okay we only have enough money for one more movie this year and that's got to be a big and um you know they're they're actually out there looking for things trying to trying to make some moves still um i think that either one of those two 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 you know, entities buying the WWE is going to result in not a lot of difference. I think that it's possible that if Saudi Arabia buys it, that they could uh, just completely go backwards. And I mean backwards um, in the sense of creative and history and just say, okay, well, you know, we've bought the WWE and Vince McMahon is back in charge, uh, which again is a big step back if you ask me. Um, but I do think that if it's somebody like an NBC Universal, they're going to look at it, they're going to make the sale, they're going to get through to the other side, and they're going to say, okay, Vince, you're retired now, have fun. That's right. it. So I'm kind of hoping that it's somebody like an NBC Universal, and as I said before when I was talking to you, that would also mean very likely that sometime in the next couple of years, they would announce that uh, you know there was a physical Hall of Fame opening in Florida um, at Universal Studios, and um, as you suggested, maybe they could even, you know, have a wing in each different Universal Studios that they have open. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see that too. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping it's NBC Universal buying it. I think that it would be best for the company. I think that it would be best for wrestling, um, and it's just not messy. That's the thing about Saudi Arabia is no matter what happens with them, at least for the next ten, fifteen years. I expect everything to come with a certain amount of mess. And, and you know, the internet, of course, same blood money about everything, which, you know, I don't really want to get into that at the, 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 this point. There's there's plenty of slings and arrows back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's, a, you know, they're not the greatest, you know, country in the world. So we'll, we'll, let's agree upon that and move off of that for the moment. Yeah, I you know, nothing changes the Vince of 77. I mean... Yeah, Saudi Arabia may have a great relationship and may want them, but I mean, sale usually is a sale. If you spend that kind of money or the money that's rumored, you usually want your own people in there. Nothing changes that Vince is, is 77. And yeah, the Saudi king is older than that, but the Saudi king has stepped aside for, I think, the guy who was third in line of succession, uh, a much younger crown prince you know msb they call him and i think now he's probably approaching 40 but he was in his 30s when he uh was was uh, uh 
anointed crown prince. So it, it, it's not like they have a history of not trying to send, you know, all of their, you know, emirs, princes and, and, you know, uh, nobility to Wharton and Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard and Yale and all these business schools, and then bring them back and, and, you know, trust the younger generation to help them modernize and uh, do whatever. So, I, you know, I don't know that it's all doom and gloom. I really don't think that we'll notice much of a difference. I mean, there might be a creative major change. Honest to God, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world necessarily. I mean, of course, that's a big word there. But I think Triple H's booking has been better than Vince's, but not much. I mean, he's sort of taken the lazy aspects of Vince McMahon and the lazy aspects of Tony Khan and just incorporated both of them, sort of cheap, you know, su- you know, surprise uh, returns, most of which have been duds um, or not particularly, in, you know, uh, in you know, getting big reactions, um, bringing back people who maybe felt that they were wrong, but, you know, aren't exactly exciting, like your Jonas, like your Meachings, like your you know, OC, uh, Dexter Loomis, Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano, who's already hurt. Um, you know, uh, as much as it pains me, uh, Karrion Cross is, is, hasn't seemed to find anything close to a stride. The Bray Wyatt thing, while I think it's interesting, a lot of people don't are sort of checked out. Braun seems to be a big success, which is great. Hit Row seems to be a big flop. Uh, uh, LA Knight was taken out of that ridiculous Maximum Amount Models and seems like he's you know, on his way to being what he should be, which is a crime time player at 40. Um, you know, but a lot of the good stuff, like the bloodline and like the judgment day, was sort of started under Vince. And who knows what, you know, so uh, you know, I I you know, Vince wouldn't be the end of the world, but you know, I didn't I did not like his booking, but Triple H is I I haven't felt was much better. It was just we just saw some different faces and stuff. So we'll see. Um We'll see where that goes, but on to NXT and New Year's Evil. So this card, the big feature of it was the number one contender for the NXT women's title. It was a 20-woman battle royal. This was the main event, and it didn't get nearly enough time. I love me a battle royal. I love the NXT women's division. I think that they have an embarrassment of riches in talent in there. I think that they are so deep. Um, they didn't even have all of their talent in there. They had the, the K and K, the the the, the uh, tag team champs weren't in there. And why would they be? Obviously, the champion wasn't in there. Why why would she be? Um, Isla Dawn, who recently lost a match to Abel Fire, wasn't in there. Um, you know, they're, they're, I'm just pointing that there were their talented names who weren't there. Um, Tiffany Stratton came back tonight, but she wasn't in in the match. She was just sort of like announced a sort of the countdown for new year's evil celebrating the new year was just her return looking very much like charlotte jr <laughs> and sounding a little bit like mercedes monet did <laughs> on that um but uh okay so the participants are both members of toxic attraction gg dolan jc jane ivy nile cora jade indy hartwell zoe stark nikita lyons thea hell wendy chu lash uh legend Electra Lopez, Alba Fire, Saul Ruka, Fallon Henley, Kiana James, Amari Miller, Tatum Paxley, uh, Lyra Valkaria, I, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, or I think I'm not, Danny Palmer, who Oscar, I don't know who that is, and 
the one of the women who was in that South American tag team that were friends with Sangha, and now Sangha sort of let them go. The one who I think there wasn't the Mexican powerlifter. I think that she's from Brazil or Peru. And I think her last name is either Flores or Perez. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Commentary did a really bad job here in identifying who the players were and who eliminated who, uh, I guess, until they got to people who they felt were important, which is really not the job of commentary to do. In any event, that was not the first match. Um, So other items on this card first of all it opened with a chase university segment which was actually sort of funny it was the new semester um they did a rundown of the show the homework assignment for the class was of course to watch new year's evil and they talked about the card tony d'angelo versus dijack whose version of justice wins is the story there can pretty deadly run the gauntlet and become the new number one contenders for their tag team titles that they lost to the new day um it's a question of respect when Indus Share faces the creeds and Hank Walker. Can he can he prove himself as an up-and-comer to the technical wrestler, second generation wrestler, Charlie Dempsey? And for those who don't know, Charlie Dempsey is William Regal's son. Uh, and of course, the title match is Braun Breaker versus Grayson Waller. Um, the first match was Tony D with Stax Lorenzo versus Dijak. Um, Wesley joined commentary. Uh, he's obviously the North American champion, so the strong implication was that whoever won this match would become the number one contender of uh, for that title. This was a slugfest. Um, the story seemed to be mostly matching power with power, who, who's tougher, uh, and St- uh, Stax Lorenzo would absorb blows for his boss, Tony D. At one point, when they were on the outside, Starks put himself in the way of Tony D and colliding with the barriers um, to sacrifice himself to protect Tony D. Uh, Tony weathered some big power moves. And at some point, I'm not exactly sure when it happened, Stax was chained to the to the ring it just seemed like it happened um maybe i was looking at twitter or something but i guess dijack who was sort of in some form of law enforcement um chained stacks to the to the uh with a handcuff to the ring um and he was going to take a blow he was going to block uh tony d'angelo again he said i'll do anything for you boss i'll do anything for you, boss and tony d'angelo in sort of like the reverse of the cora jade roxy thing where she said i was never your friend and then she said i was your best friend always and this was i'm not your boss i'm your family and then he kissed him on the head and he turned around and walked right into a big boot by dijack and dijack won so Sort of a weird story. Don't know where it's going. It sort of feels like a face turn for Tony D, which is weird for a gangster character. Um, uh, This match was okay. It told the story. I'm not sure it was very impressive. At the end, uh, Wesley stood up with his title and Dijak looked at him knowingly. So, you know, I would expect that that is going to be a match that will be booked for NXT's first standalone PLE um, coming up, I think, in February. So, any thoughts on this match? Uh, yeah, a few. I um, So, I've definitely followed along a little bit with Dijak. 
Um, I know that he was in that ridiculous faction that were, that were supposed to be hackers at one point. Um, but uh, I, I actually think he's a pretty talented guy. I think that in the ring, he can move pretty well. Uh, he's got good size, which I know you and I both appreciate, um, maybe more than the average modern-day wrestling fan. Um, and I keep thinking that, you know, this guy could be a player moving forward. I know that, uh, I know that he's not young anymore. He's not a 20 year old kid. Um, but I keep thinking that this guy could be like a solid foundational piece to an intercontinental championship, uh, you know, uh, sort of division in the WWE if they, if they would let him. I know that, um, I know that when I was watching this, I definitely got a chuckle out of that spot with, uh, I'm not your boss, I'm your family. And then he turned around and instantly lost, which I, you know, that definitely gave me a good chuckle. Um, I think that that works in wrestling. And I think that, you know, there was definitely a part of me that went, oh, the gangster's the good guy. But then I remembered that Dexter Loomis was a, was a face. I mean, if you can make the stalker character a face in your wrestling company, you can make anybody the face in your wrestling company. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, the you know, Dijak, his character, you know, people wonder, is he the Terminator? Is he Judge Dredd? Is he, you know, is, it, is he, I can't remember, is he Cobra? You know, yeah, he's sort of all those things. I mean, I don't think the Terminator, but he's, you know, he's hard justice. He's he's sort of like the, the big boss man. He's 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 a he's not necessarily a dirty cop, but he's a cop that goes too far. Though the NXT parking lot and backstage area is still extremely unsafe, so he's not doing maybe his primary job. <laughs> anyway, I am the law. This Tony D crime family has always been constituted weirdly. I mean, they found the most like. Anglo people they could possibly find in the least Mediterranean people they could find to, to make it at least look, look like it's part of a, you know, an Italian mafia crew. Mm. Okay. But they whatever. put you and me in suits and just, uh, just shake your hands a little bit. Pretty much, but I'm at least from New York, and I'm at least Eastern European Mediterranean in some respect. I mean, I could at least pass for it. These guys, I mean, they're they're so obviously some sort of Anglo-Saxon, you know, type, you know, Germanic, British, Celtic, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it's just, it's just, it was always weird. But the stuff with Legata was fun, and then the stuff with Electra was fun, and I always thought that Electra was going to fall in love with Tony D, and that would be cool. But then her group got called up. And she thought she was going to be called up, and she wasn't. And you know, this is fine. I, you know, I know a lot of our Italian friends don't like the Tony D character. They think it's stereotypical. They're correct. That's what you know. That's what wrestling often is. Welcome I mean, to pro wrestling, right? Then they're more stereotypical than Hit Row, than than the Street Profits, the Viking Raiders, the the brawling brutes who like to drink and fight. So I mean, you know, it 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 is what it is. Um, but I like Tony D'Angelo too. I mean, I think I don't think he's the greatest wrestler in the world, but I think he he knows the character and he's got a amateur background. And I think they can both be things here. And yeah, if they want to try a face run with a with a mafia character or or a maid guy just because he loves his family. Okay, I whatever. Um, all right. The next match was supposed to be the Creeds versus In the Share, and then we got another lecture from Ivy Nile. Uh, you know, basically saying, be careful. Are you sure you're ready? Uh, you're still hurt. And they're like, yes, we are. Um, so we get into the match and the creeds are in there and they're, they're looking all excited. And then Sangha comes up and says that Veer isn't here, which is interesting because Veer, I mean, we've seen Veer, but he hasn't wrestled in a while. 
The word is he's had an injury. The word was that they were trying to get him healthy in time for the show in India, which has been postponed due to some sort of corporate or network merger in India, which has something to do with, I guess, the carrying rights or maybe even the facility or both. Um, but it's not because of lack of interest. It was only a 5,000-seat venue anyway. But apparently Veer's injury is either serious enough that that he's not well enough or they didn't think this was important enough to go on with it. So Sangha's saying, I'll take you two-on-one. I, I, I can do it. And the creeds are like, no, this is about respect, and, and this is our chance. We want revenge, and we're going to do it. And while this happens, they get attacked from behind. No, it's not Veer. It's Jinder Mahal. <laughs> so this so this resulted in the, the bell never rang. This is a non-match. It was it was immediately stopped. Um, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I hate to talk badly about a fellow Canadian, but Jinder Mahal is your is your surprise i don't know if that works i don't know if that works on an indie show to be honest with you brother i yeah i i don't i don't think that that works even in an indie show i don't i don't think that it works in a setting like this i don't think that the nxt universe reacted in the way that you know in the way that people wanted them to and i think that you know trying to sell this as former wwe champion jinder mahal is you might as well say former member of three man band. There's no, nobody really takes his run seriously. Nobody really thinks of him as a guy who earned his spot or earned the respect. And since then they've done basically nothing with him as a company. Um, maybe he belongs in an XT. Maybe this is a good place for him, but I just felt like this sort of felt flat. And again, like I haven't been following this, uh, I haven't been following this all the way through, but I know that the face team, the the creeds, um, their reactions, especially afterwards, were very amateurish in terms of the in terms of the acting ability. Um, yeah, this got a whole this got a big old dud for me. I'm with you on a lot of that. Um, I think that a smarter move would have been some sort of beatdown scenario, some mystery people took out the creeds. Maybe it was in the sheer, maybe it wasn't there. There was something else going on, you know, later on it was revealed to be Gallus. Um, you know, maybe they're just, you know, going after everybody. This was a match that people were looking forward to it. Um, and I think this was a letdown. Also, you had a 20 person battle Royal, which felt pretty short and pretty rushed and certainly could have had another 10 or 12 minutes and I wouldn't have complained probably would have been better because the women would have been able to show what they've got and they have a lot there they have a lot of talent there and there's a lot of stories in there that's sort of you know got rushed I mean I'm not sure the rush wasn't part of the reason why commentary failed to name everyone they didn't all get entrances uh, you know, it's, it's a WW battle royal. So all 20 of them are in it once, though they announced Code, uh, Cora Jade as the first entrant. She was also the first one who got exited. And in fact, she ended up being eliminated somewhere between two and a half and three times, which is silly in and of itself. Um, but I would just skipped it all together. Um, it, it, you know, I don't think gender got the worst of them. I heard people going gender, gender, or whatever. And, you know, it, I guess it was okay, but I would have. Some people might say it's better than nothing, but I think I would have preferred nothing rather than something. Um, Sangha made Brutus Creed look small. Now, Sangha's huge, and Brutus Creed is not a tall man, but he's a thick man. Uh, but he looked small here. 
more troubling, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, is that Julius Creed, who I think everybody sort of thinks of as like, you know, the younger version of Cesaro, didn't look like he, I mean, it's not like it was a complete mismatch, but he actually looked like he's significantly smaller than Jinder, who Jinder's a big guy, but he's, I don't know, I sort of thought that Julius Creed was sort of around the same size, and he wasn't, and, and so I'm a sizes, I was a little bit disappointed in that visual. Um, anyway, I'm with you. I, I didn't, I didn't think that this was important and the match was tossed out. Uh, you know, pretty Tedley, of course, is feeling, you know, really excited about themselves that, that, you know, even, even though this wasn't part of the gauntlet and the new day tells pretty deadly who's primping and making themselves look beautiful. Hey guys, what are you, what are you talking about? You're next. That match has been thrown out. So you're next. And they're like, oh my God. And they, they run to the ring. So then when we get back from commercial, they're waiting. No, they're not waiting in the ring. This is Electra Lopez talking to, I feel terrible. I don't know her name, but she's hasn't really been promoted very much. And she usually loses, but she's again, the, the South American wrestler who was in the tag team with the Mexican powerlifter wrestler. And I don't know their names. Apologies to everyone. But Electra Lopez was basically saying to her something like, it's time you maybe looked out for yourself, see it in the rumble, almost like Electra Lopez was going on a recruiting spree um, because she, of course, was going to start going into business for herself. That's that's sort of the side story after the Legado del Fantasma got elevated. Um, not sure if that was really purposeful, if we're going to see more of that or not. It didn't, there didn't seem to be much of it in the Battle Royal, which I thought was a minor shame, uh, but it didn't happen. Anyway, Pretty Deadly comes in. They have prearranged, they have they have jimmied this. That what happens is the rockers music plays from like 1987, and and out comes I, I think they named them as Flying Brian Wilson and Johnny Jackson, uh the Rockers, two jobbers. Um Booker T was pretending that, that they were up and comers and that he saw lots of things in these people, and basically you know, if you blinked for a long time, spilt milk occurred and pretty deadly defeated these guys in, you know, maybe it was a minute. Yeah. I mean, quick, quick, uh, just a quick one here to establish the, the story of what's going on in terms of the, in, in terms of pretty deadly, you know, it, this wasn't meant to be anything other than just to, to set up that, Oh, look, like we've got this rigged and we're, uh, you know, we're going to go through three, you know, major, major teams, you know, big threats to everything. And, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, again, like, again, like this is, this is a new act to me. Like I've never really seen these guys work before. So to me, this was, I was watching not Billy and Chuck, um, but I, I thought they did, they did a pretty good job in terms of selling who they are as a, as an act. Um, they had a few good, re- they had a real, they had a few really good facials, uh, here as they, as they moved on to where, you know, they, they looked like a couple of jackasses that are really into themselves, um, right. and you know, good for them. Right. They, they are regrettably good at what they do. Cause I, I don't like acts like this, but they're, but they're yeah. very, yeah. um, so anyway, the new day comes out and says, "No, no, this is not going to happen. We knew that you would pull something like this. So we have arranged for two top-notch tag teams to come out and face you because the new day have booking ability there. Okay, the tag team champions from the main roster, maybe they do. Anyway, who they arrange? Idris Anofa and Malik Blade. 
Most noteworthy is that Itris Inofa, who never wears a shirt, that's his entire gimmick, is wearing a long sleeve sort of compression shirt. And that is most likely because the dummy got a WWE tattoo on his chest recently, um, which is lovely if you've been there for 15 years, but he's like 22 and they release people like hell. And like right now today, he's probably really feeling bad about that tattoo. Uh, anyway, I guess they felt they needed to cover the WWE tattoo on NXT. I don't know if that's the case for it or not, but why else would all of a sudden would this dude be wearing a shirt who is entire personality is based on, he never wears a shirt. I I did not understand the backstory, and I remember looking at this going, it doesn't look like this guy has a Kevin Owens body. Why is he wearing a goddamn shirt? Um, to the point where it was actually a little distracting as the, as the match was going on. I was looking at this guy going, he looks like he's probably got a six-pack. Why is he? he does. He's an eight-pack. I mean, he's he's... He's sort of built like John Morrison was. I mean, he's he's he might not be as ripped as John Morrison, but he's also not as old as John Morrison. If he keeps this up, he's gonna be. He's also not as tall, but you know, he's got one of those slender but very muscular builds, uh, and he's not as slender as Malik Blade. Anyway, this was a competitive match. There was nothing wrong with the match, but I don't think the outcome was ever in doubt. And pretty deadly one after what was probably a seven-minute match, something something like that. I, I thought it was fine, nothing particularly interesting. Um, if I was a New Day, maybe I could have found a better first team to go. But, you know, that's not how wrestling goes. You know, you, you start with the the perceived weakest, and then you slowly build up. That's that's the epic, you know, the, the hero's challenge. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, and I felt like everybody in this uh, sort of did their job properly. There weren't any major stutters or, um, you know, nobody nobody screwed anything up. It looked like four guys in the ring who are all well-trained and all know what they're doing. And uh, under, and uh, they, it looked like they all understood what they were there for. So, yeah, it was good. It was, it was, there was nothing bad about this section of this uh, gauntlet. And uh, Enoch, which, well, Idris is the Islamic word for uh, Enoch. Uh, he did a pretty marvelous uh, frog splash, um, but it, it wasn't successful. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Anyway, Almost the it, entire way across the ring. Yeah, it was impressive. Yeah. Extremely athletic. Um, these guys are a little bit on the small side. Uh, they probably would be do better in AEW than in WWE, but NXT is very similar to AEW, so they're perfectly fine here. And they're young and they can build on their frames, but they, they've they got some raw talent there. Anyway, the next match was supposed to, you know, rake it up a little bit, uh, bring it up a notch with Brooks and Jensen, former UK tag team champions to, you know, well, one big, the other one was supposed to be big, you know, country brawler boys. Uh, but we saw them laid out in the back and, and Jensen is completely out of it. Brooks seems like he's ready to go, but... Uh, or at least willing, but Jensen's completely out of it. Nobody knows who attacked them in the back. Uh, I thought that would be a big story for the night. It wasn't a big story as far as a mystery was concerned, because out comes Gallus. Their suspension has been lifted or served, so they're back. Uh, so Gallus is going to face pretty deadly. They're both from uh, NXT UK, so there's certainly history there. It was the team was represented by Wolfgang and Mark Kofi or Coffee. There's a Joe Coffee also, but uh, I guess he does more singles work, but he wasn't there at all. Uh, so the two members of Gallus were there. 
And they basically beat the crap out of Pretty Deadly, and it was more or less a glorified squash match where Gallus defeated Pretty Deadly. Deadly heels over heels, though Gallus, I guess, were almost faces, but you know, maybe like Dudley Boy or Road Warriors faces. I'm not sure, but you know, that's a good comparison. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's a good comparison to how they were booked in this. Um, Yeah, they they definitely got the hey, we're returning. Uh, you know, reaction from the crowd, uh, which is always going to get kind of something of a face pop. And uh, they didn't turn too far away from it. They didn't have them cheat to win, which I guess you wouldn't against this tag team anyway. Um, and yeah, I thought that this was uh, Gallus came out here and they kind of manhandled the pretty deadly and um, seemed like that was sort of the right thing to do anyway if you're trying to build Gallus as something just because I'm not sure that this pretty deadly team needs to really be successful in order to be successful as an act and um, yeah it looks like uh, looks like Gallus is going to be going after the tag titles and um, they yeah, they seem like a talented group yeah, they, they confronted New Day and so they're they are now they won the gauntlet match so they have a number one contenders match Presumably at the NXT takeover that, that's coming up. I forgot the exact date, but it's in February. Um, February 4th. February 4th. Okay, very good. Um, and I, 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 obviously, I lost my thought. Um, but uh, the thing about Gallus is that um, they're sort of. You know, they're sort of like the Viking Raiders a little bit. They're sort of like Killian Dane was. They sort of fit that mold. Um, but it's interesting because there was some talk about visa problems with some of the NXT UK people, and they seem to be getting those resolved piecemeal. I don't know if there's a plan to it or it's just what happens first. But um, it was a surprise, and it was a it was a good surprise. And I, I think your point that Pretty Deadly doesn't need to necessarily have titles to be successful, but they can. I mean, I feel like they're sort of like the tag team version NXT of like what the Miz is on the main roster. Mm, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. They don't really have to, they don't really need belts. They don't really need to be winning a lot in order to be effective as an act. But, um, but yeah, this was a, this was a good little use of them for sure to, to set up for a return of uh, what's i guess a real serious threat in nxt uh in gallus and um yeah they seem to be they like i'm not sure if they're ready for the main roster yet um it seems like they they can use a little more seasoning but um and i'm like you i don't really care for this kind of act generally i know that people look back now at Billy and Chuck and think, oh, you know, it was so progressive or progressive in terms of professional wrestling, right? Progressive. Um, but yeah, I've never really been into the whole like extremely effeminate wrestling thing. It's, it's, I don't have a problem with it. It's just not my thing. Um, even as, even as heels, like it's not even like I like cheering against them. It's just kind of, it gets go away heat for me a little bit, but these guys seem talented and, uh, hey, they're, they're making chicken shit, chicken. They're making chicken salad out of chicken shit. They've grown on me because they really own their act, and then and, and they're in total sync, and they they know their roles completely. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a convert, but I, I don't. They they don't need to have belts for me to be a convert and and find it and see that they have value again. I look at them sort of as this, the Miz. Anyway, so we see Julius. He's he's pissed. He's wandering around. Brutus, I guess, is in medical. 
uh, Ivy Nile is is you know sort of following him, trying to talk him out of you know what he's doing. You need to be with your brother. What are you doing? No, I'm mad. I need revenge. How come you never listen to me? You never listen to me. I thought this was going to play more a role in in this night. It didn't. Obviously, somewhere down the road, it will. Um, but Ivy left unhappy. Julius was going to talk to the powers that be. He wants to face Ginger tonight. Um, then we get the celebration of New Year's, which was a sort of a recreation of a New Year's ball going down and, uh, you know, sort of a non-pyro but light show version of fireworks. And we see the return of Tiffany Stratton, who comes into the ring, complete with her new boobs uh, and maybe some other work. And uh, reminding us that while she's that, that she she took the NXT division by storm, she came in with no experience and she learned this business like nobody else. And and she's spent the last five months watching everyone try to be her and fail. Would have been a great time to for her to be flanked by toxic attraction. But no, that didn't happen. Um, she looked a lot like Charlotte in my view, and she was positioned a lot like Charlotte, but she didn't sound like Charlotte. She she was continuing to do sort of her valley girl spoiled you know mean girl voice fine whatever it was what it was it, it was fine but uh you know i don't know it was sort of like when i heard mercedes monet's or uh, money's uh promo uh from wrestle kingdom 11 that was like i was expecting more i was expecting more but this wasn't as um underwhelming as mercedes's was just because there were so many expectations and and because she had so much time to plan for us, and she's and she's also more of a pro. I mean, she's been a professional wrestler now for over a decade. This this woman's been a professional wrestler for a year, year and a half training, something like that. Yeah. Um. So the uh, the backstage thing uh, definitely gave me um high school high school drama vibes. Um. It just seemed like these people aren't really ready for for national television um, in terms of their acting ability, which I know people tend to overlook in pro wrestling, especially now, but I really think that you have to be convincing in whatever character you're trying to get across. And I was deeply unconvinced by both of those performers backstage, um, Creed and his girlfriend. And um, yeah, as far as Tiffany Stratton goes, I've heard a lot about her. I've heard people talk about her and, Sort of like uh, I'm sure she's won a dollar or two from from Kev. Um, I this this was lost on me in terms of um, I generally am not a big fan of the ditzy blonde characters. Um, I lived in Los Angeles for two years, so the Valley Girl um, grates my brain in a in a very serious way to where as soon as I hear people talk like that, I kind of just want to send them home um <laughs> and yeah i didn't think that she said anything that was really worth the the ball drop you know the, the they had the, they literally had the countdown be to her and it just felt very meh i kind of felt like if they were going to do this they needed to have it be you know in anticipation of something and as far as i was concerned this was just um Hey, Mandy's gone, but I'm back. But I'm back, and 
Yeah. And a night of celebration of her. It should have been an all night thing. And this is the one night that I really missed Wade Barrett over Booker T. I have mostly enjoyed Booker T, but he really doesn't know the product and he sort of wings it. And most of the time it's okay, but sometimes you can tell and sometimes it's not okay. And this night he clearly didn't know who everybody was and Vic was not picking up the the pace. So they could have used a third person in there or, or but Wade would have, carried it he would have sold it more you know because booker sort of have his has his own agenda which is fine um but it, it didn't help here but yeah this 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 celebration should have been something that was ongoing some of the ancillary segments really weren't necessary and could have been done next week or last week or whatever but anyway the next segment was a diner segment obviously made famous by apollo cruz and and sort of his meetings with uh braun breaker which you know got Fairly good response, but instead of it being Apollo Crews or, or Brown Breaker, it was Carmelo Hayes, and he was doing the whole journal thing. He was mocking Apollo Crews' journaling, and you know, you hear him saying he's beyond reach, he is him. Um, you know, uh, then Trick showed up and he was wearing a luchador mask, and we're not sure why. And he's like, I don't know how they wrestle in this, nobody can see anything. Um, and you know, I, I all, all I got from this is that Carmelo is going to have to face Apollo before he gets to Braun Breaker. Uh, that was the only takeaway I took from this. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't think it was particularly noteworthy. It was, but it was sort of amusing. This is, this was, this was a fine little wrestling vignette, uh, you know, mocking the thing that your enemy sort of did that, that people recognize him for even the same diner. So, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, so I just had a thought was that you know between Apollo and um and and, and this guy and um and what's his name over in AEW it seems like there's a lot of uh, black characters in wrestling who are journaling lately Hobbs <laughs> Hobbs uh, in AEW it just it 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 feels like did did people in professional wrestling like just realize that black people know how to write or something because I've literally in the last two in the last two or three weeks, I've seen three different black characters journaling on television. I why well, I, I am not particularly current with anything, um, you know, sometimes TV is a, a movie, but certainly not with, you know, pop culture and stuff like that. But I was not aware it was a thing for young African-American males to take to diarying. I sort of figured it was still very much a thing you know, for people who are between, you know, like 11 and 15 that you, you know, you kept your diaries, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's grown more. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the audience can educate us, but yeah, I, I find this to be a, a str- I mean, in this case, I think he was just simply mocking Apollo Cruz for doing it, but uh, it is interesting. It's, it's one to watch, Chris. It's one to watch. One to watch. Um, so next week we see is Tiffany Stratton walking out of the building uh, almost like she's avoiding paparazzi and K&K Dance Factory, Caden Carter and, and uh, Katana Chance are walking by being congratulated by whoever's talking, the interviewer, I suppose, uh, saying that congratulations on having your the longest reigning reign as women's tag team champions, which is 161 days, which is just over five months. Uh, uh, doesn't seem that impressive, but okay. Tiffany was clearly not impressed. She walked right by them and into a white luxury vehicle. I, again, was really hoping for 
the, the uh, toxic attraction w- was going to be in, in there, or maybe those two twins that are in the I- NIL program or, you know, s- something. But no, it just, you know, we didn't see anything like that. You know, maybe they were there or whatever and drove away. Um, I will note that uh, Tiffany Stratton was sporting a Chanel necklace. So for those who think, Jeff, how come you're not looking at fashion, giving us whether it's a Gucci belt or a Louis Vuitton, she was, uh, I want to stay on brand and let you know, Chanel necklace. And she is now referencing herself as the center of the universe. She said, the center of the universe is back. We then told that next is Braun Breaker versus uh, Grayson Waller. We saw the complete recap of everything that occurred between them. Um, and then finally they got to the match, which, listen, I'm not a big Grayson Waller guy. I know there's people who think he's the greatest heel. I know there's people who are invested in in, in insisting he's better than the MJF. I, I granted he has a personality. He's got about four moves. That's about it. Um, he's, he you know, he's too thin for me, et cetera. Ron Breaker, who, you know, I think a lot of people are invested in being a superstar. He's got a lot of tools. He's good. I just don't, he's just one note. I don't, I don't think he's a star. I think he's going to have a perfectly serviceable career. You know, he, he might be like a, you know, Bob Holly type that has a 15 year career, always in the mid card, sometimes in the top card, sometimes below, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be Bob Holly. Even you can call it Bobby Roode. You can call it Dolph Ziggler. You can, call it the barbarian, whatever. I, I mean, I, I see more of a, that kind of a career than I don't, I don't see him being the next stone cold Steve Austin. Maybe I'm wrong. If he, if he gains his uncle's second act personality different, but I don't hate the guy. Anyway, this match was that uh, Grayson Waller was basically playing keep away, trying to outsmart him. But Braun Breaker was always one step ahead or at least ready for it and was more powerful uh, there was a standing moonsault, which would have embarrassed Charlotte. It was so bad that Braun Breaker did. At some point, the second rope snapped. We all thought it was an accident. They took the action to the floor. The ring crew was fixing it. But obviously, it was a planned spot. Um, because after more keep away and Braun being too powerful, um, at some point, Grayson Waller fell out of the ring when the rope snapped again. He landed on his head. And he did not make the 10 count. So Braun won by a count out uh, and retained. Normally, you know, the champ loses by a count out, but still retains. But this was the reverse. And so nobody's happy about it. I was not particularly impressed. I didn't think this was particularly clever. It was pretty obvious that where they were going was that they were going to make this the main event and run it back for the PLE, which not being particularly excited about this matchup. I'm, I'm less excited about seeing it a second time. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure what else they can do. I, I mean, short of, you know, giving Grayson Waller a, a, a power glove, um, I'm not really sure that they can do much else other than have him try to run away and, uh, and try to use his quickness. But it, it seems like, they've built him up as a character who runs into matches at the end of them to do his three moves and win, but you can't do that in a title match. So I'm not really sure if this is just somebody dropped the ball, they didn't develop him properly and they're just trying to throw him, you know, to the wolves, so to speak or what it is, but it just feels like there's not much else that they can do other than what they did here. And why are we running it back? He clearly can't compete against 
Braun Breaker in a physical contest, and there's no real way for him to win a match against him, you know, so I'm not really sure what they're doing. As far as Braun Breaker goes, um, my own personal opinion on it is um, he he definitely needs to develop a a personality beyond what he already has because right now he's a he's a big guy for NXT but he's going to make his way onto the main roster at basically 6 feet tall um he's he's going to be of the same height as the Miz and he he might be he might have 20 pounds on the Miz he's not a huge He's not a huge slab of muscle either in terms of the actual main roster. So he's definitely going to need to develop something um, either that or, you know, maybe he's maybe he has a cousin or a, or there's somebody else in the Rex Steiner family that uh, that could come in with him and he could start a tag team because I think he needs way more time to develop a real personality because, yeah, right now he's a. He's a big guy in NXT. He's not even going to be that on the main roster, and he doesn't have enough personality to really hold himself together. Way back when, when Braun was a very new wrestler, you know, everyone was excited, but he was really not being getting any matches. And Ridge Holland was still around, and people were saying, looks like Baby Brock. And I'm like, well, maybe he looks a little bit like him, but to be honest, the person he reminds me of how he wrestles is Rick Steiner. Uh, and I'm like, I would put them together as a tag team. Now, you can't really do that now, and you can't argue with the success of the Brawling Brutes. I don't know what the staying power is for that. I just feel like if, you know, there was so much invested in Braun Breaker being the new single star that maybe they missed an opportunity of of making like a sort of a Steiner Brothers-esque team with uh, Ridge Holland and Braun Breaker. But at the same time, they also probably knew they had the Creeds, who sort of are the same thing. But I'll tell you, I think the creeds started out hotter and were more interesting and they've actually gotten less interesting mm. with time. I still believe in Julius, but I'm not so sure I believe in Brutus and it was the opposite when they first started, but neither one of them really seems like they've I mean I th I feel like they sort of gone the Ty Conte route like they they improved a whole lot and and now they've sort of gone backwards. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's sometimes that does happen in professional wrestling. People, it's not always a straight line. You know, it's not always a straight line from you start and you're no good and then you just get better and better and better and better. You know, um, sometimes you start off hot, you know, really good as a prospect, but not really good as a pro wrestler in general. Um and it doesn't get an awful lot better than that. You know, Tom McGee happens sometimes yeah. in professional wrestling. And I, I don't I don't think that that's what's going to happen here with Breaker. I feel like, first of all, everyone's initial response to this is exactly right. He needs a different name. Braun Breaker is just stupid. And no one's going to take that seriously, like, in the world there's nothing wrong with him just being rex steiner his actual last name is rex steiner um and you know he has an actual lineage i don't understand the wwe's obsession with walking away or running away from the lineage wrestlers that they have but it should probably stop yeah so i mean the wwe has this tendency right now to literally run in the opposite direction of legacy characters and i really don't understand why they do it i think that they probably rationalize it to themselves that they're 
you know, they're trying to make it easier for the younger talent to make their own name or whatever, but that's the wrong way of looking at things. You know, when you have um, the son of Mr. Perfect, you shouldn't call him Curtis Axel. You should, you should lean into the fact that Mr. Perfect is this kid's dad so that he has a, a springboard. He has a way to become a superstar, you know, even without maybe, you know, entirely earning it. And I think that the other thing that's true, you know, when we're talking about Braun Breaker is the WWE, especially recently, seems to have forgotten how they built a lot of really, really successful acts out of the tag team division. I mean, Bret Hart, Shawn Michael, Edge, you know, some of the most popular, some of the most successful acts that they've ever had began as tag team wrestlers and then moved and then moved after they created a name for themselves into the intercontinental championship picture and then on into the world championship picture. Um, you know, that that long way around to get there is actually a really valuable route. And I think that a, a guy like Braun Breaker could really use something like that. I think so too. Uh, I'm not sure that a guy with a similar degree of experience is the answer. And I just seemed that the styles would mesh, but I mean, to your point, obviously it worked out just fine for Randy Orton, Charlotte, uh, you know, right now for Cody Rhodes, it's doing just fine. So, uh, you know, when you, when you got something, especially legends, why run from it? Everybody knows what it is. Uh, you know, I I agree with you that it's a little bit silly. I'm not exactly what sure what their reason is, except for owning IP. But Rex Steiner is not his real name. It's a variation of the phonetics of his last name, and you could still IP that. You could still trademark it, which is all they really care about. Anyway, um, while we were so, folks, we've been doing this on Zoom, and Zoom has these forty-minute timelets. So if it seems like there's been some disconnects, that's the reason why. And during the break, I have been watching Bloomberg News, and I haven't seen anything about the sale of WW on there. I would think that it would be on there. This is all live. This is their Asian coverage, but there are main stories listed on the on the scroll, and I haven't seen it, so. You know, if it's not there or there's nothing confirmed, uh, technically, even if it is Asian, Saudi Arabia is technically in Asia. Um, what I did note is that China has had declining populations for the last two years and only had 10 million births last year in a country of 1.4 billion. Pretty sure we have 10 million births here in Baltimore. But by the time the children are four years old, they don't, they've already moved out of Baltimore. So uh, that's just a different aside. Anyway, uh, when we come back, we learn that Julius and Jinder has been booked. What a shocker. Uh, Apollo is talking to Axiom. They both agree that they don't like Trick and Mellow. Axiom says to Apollo, oh, well, I don't need to tell you. You can see it written all over my face. The joke is Axiom wears a mask, but he seems to forget he wears a mask, and he thinks that everybody can see his face like he's Rorschach from Watchmen or something. Um And actually, this time I chuckled, so I don't know what that says about me. Anyway, Apollo and Axiom are going to be seeking a tag team match against Trick and Mellow. Um, I don't know if that'll be on a regular NXT or that uh, PLE coming up. I don't really care just yet. Um, we are advised that the ring crew has double reinforced the ring uh, for these next matches. The next match, which doesn't need it at all, is Hank Walker being 
um, accompanied by Drew Gulak versus Charlie Dempsey. Hank Walker is the security guard given an NXT contract. Drew Gulak's taken some interest in him, though Drew Gulak is half nice, half mean. Uh, Charlie Dempsey doesn't like any of it. Charlie Dempsey was beaten by Drew Gulak a couple weeks ago, and he's he's not happy about it. Booker T botches uh, some lines when he talks about Hank Walker being on a premium live event. Is he not Vic? And Vic goes, "No, he's not. He, he we're on we're on New Year's Eve on a regular weekly show." And Booker T's, "Yes, but he's in a major event with a talent like." Uh, uh, Charlie Dempsey, which, okay, so he recovered, but still not really knowing exactly where he is. Sort of like John Moxley did a few weeks ago when he's like, is the show Saturday or Sunday um, on a live mic? Anyway, Walker taps out. Dempsey won. Um, he won in fairly easy fashion. Walker really is very amateurish. He doesn't have it. I don't understand the investment in Walker. I mean, I think that they think they have a common man, like a Dusty Rhodes type guy, but I don't see any of that there, except that they both have sort of a, a grotesque part of their stomach. Dusty had that bulbous sort of tumor thing, and this guy has like a giant appendectomy scar, like you like you've never seen like part of his intestines have been removed or something. Past that, I I, I don't get the I, I don't get the appeal. So I don't have much to say about this. I, I have nothing else to say about this match. Yeah, me either. Uh, Regal's kid looks good. Uh, kind of knew that he was going to have some talent just naturally, and uh, seems like he's working hard. But as far as yeah, the, the other kid, um, Booker T made me laugh. Um, that's about all I have to say about this whole match. Was that Booker T made me laugh? And uh, when commentary is making you laugh without trying to, it's not great. Usually, though, I mean, I guess laughter is always okay. Um. So the next part was a Tyler Bate vignette. Tyler Bate, to me, looks like Tyrion Lannister, which is not great in the professional wrestler. Um, he calls himself the big strong boy. He's not big, not particularly strong. I mean, he's got good, strong-looking legs, but he sort of looks like he suffers from dwarfism. Um, and he's not a boy, so I, I don't get any of it. I know people love his matches and things like that, but to me, he's everything I don't want to see in professional wrestling. I was plenty happy when he came and left. Now he's coming back, but to stay, I took that as a threat. Um, <laughs> so obviously not happy about that, but here it comes. Uh, so I guess we get the good with Gallus. We get the bad with Tyler Bate. Um, next, we saw some more information from NXT Anonymous that's creeping around and apparently was spying on Oro Menza. Not nearly as creepy as learning medical information about uh, Caden and Katana wasn't really sure what the deal was. They just said that someone's creeping around my stuff and Oro Menza found a piece of paper and it seemed to say scripts on it. So I don't know if scripts who already came in was sort of a uh, retribution like, uh, you know, uh, vignettes, but came in as, as scripts and that he was a mass wrestler who liked penmanship. Is he also anonymous? Is it someone else? This is like the third or fourth sort of I'm stalking NXT character. There was Dijak, there was Scripps, there was probably someone before that. I, I I don't know what this is about. I'm not particularly interested, to be frank with you. Yeah, I. Th there seems to be a bit of an obsession with stalking uh, in general at the NXT level. And 
I know that they had I know that they had an actual situation where there was an actual stalker at one point four or five years ago now, but the smilk guy. Yeah, I get over it, guys. Like if you're if you're writing for NXT, just get over it and start thinking about something that's a little more interesting. Or, you know, if you want to go with a stalking character, make it really sinister. Scare me. Do you know what right. I mean? Make it seem like an actual threat. Otherwise, it just comes off as kind of cartoony and lame, a la Dexter Loomis. And um, yeah, I, again, like that. Well, there's another example of a stalker in NXT. Um, this didn't work for DDP when he came over from WCW, and it's not going to work for anybody else unless they make it into a really sinister character. And I don't think that they want to do that. So if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna pull the trigger all the way. Um, don't pretend to pull the trigger a little bit. It's, uh, it's just, it just comes out cartoony and frustrating. I don't think it ever worked. I don't think it worked with Kane. I don't think nope. it worked when Stone Cold confronted Flying Brian at his house. I, I, I just, I, I didn't like it when Seth Rollins went into Edge's home. I mean, it's, it, it's creepy and it's especially creepy in an ear. It wasn't that long ago that somebody broke into Mandy Rose's complex while her and Sonya were in, in the house and they had and they escaped you know they called security and then they then they escaped and but that's just dumb luck and where you have you know wrestlers being you know criticized for not being friendly to the fans but at the same time who who can you trust i mean i've been to wrestling shows it, it's not like everyone looks like you know and not that you can judge books by their covers but it, it's not like everybody looks like someone that you you can trust okay so you know i went to the axl uh, axw show this uh um weekend i had a yeah. great time but when i walked in the guy who can who was working at the door and this is no fault of his own but he looked like he was 180 years old he's about six foot tall looked like his body was made of you know sinew and wood long <laughs> stringy gray beard long stringy hair sort of a nondescript baseball cap and like yellow jacket and like the character in every movie that warns you not to come into the town that you either need to listen to or he's the killer i mean and i saw it and i'm just like oh my god every horror movie starts with seeing this guy and <laughs> And I hate to go there and, and, you know, he, you know, he was just a guy, he's just doing his job or just a volunteer and, you know, they, they let us in, of course, and whatever, but he's a scary fucking looking guy, even though it was a hundred, I mean, he, he looks like Gandalf, it was, if wizarding didn't work out and he decided to go into meth in prison instead. <laughs> and, and uh, obviously I can never go back again. Well, he's not listening to the show, but, uh, or, or thinks it was uh, the lady next to him. Anyway, uh, but wrestling fans <laughs> can be scary looking and, uh, and you know, uh, what Alexa Bliss goes on, goes through on online media and stuff like that on social media, you know, not good, not good calls. Anyway, um, neither one of us is fans of this, so we'll move on. So next is Jinder Mahal with Sangha facing Julius Creed. This is a back-and-forth ma match. There was some blood hard way. Um, Sorry, we're having some technical difficulties here. Jeff? Uh, and I'm not sure if that was him or Jinder, because Jinder's not the greatest. Um, I didn't like the size. I didn't like Jinder looking bigger than Julius Creed. Not that he can control his size, but maybe it wasn't the right choice. Just because he's Indian doesn't need to be there. Um, 
the end of this match was basically Sanga, Sanga jumped up on the ring apron. He distracted Julius, who was going to make a top rope move, and that led to uh, uh, the Coloss and Jinder won. And then Ivy, you know, obviously uh, Julius should have listened to Ivy. He didn't. And, you know, so Julius getting another solo loss. Um, I have to believe that this half commitment to Julius as a solo wrestler and a half commitment to the Creed brothers as a tag team wrestler. I do a, a tag team, but uh, if they think Julius is a star, then commit to it and figure out what you're going to do with Brutus. Um, anyway, that was this match. I, you know, I, I think this could have easily. Oh, internet, why? Ah, there you go. Oh, now it's recording again. Do you, do you know when you lost me? Um, yeah, you were talking about the, uh, basically you had just gone over the finish with the Coloss. Okay, all right. They sort of listened to Ivy. Chris, I don't have much to say about this match. I was not impressed by it. I sort of feel like the that the the focus being split between Julius being a solo wrestler and the Creeds being a tag team wrestler might be part of the reason why they're not really shining in, in either category lately. Um, but what did you think about this match, if anything? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating a little bit when I see just the history in NXT in general that um, they have this tendency to um, tell the whole story of a tag team. So they, they, you know, they start off and they're brand new, they have some success and then they break up. And then, you know, by the time these, by the time these guys generally get to the main roster, they're no longer tag teams. I mean, I think that the last time I remember seeing that happen where a tag team was still a tag team by the time they got to the main roster was literally FTR, which, I mean, that's been a while now, you know, the revival was a while ago and um, I feel like they're missing something in that because tag team wrestling can be such an interesting part of a, of a wrestling show. And I know that the WWE has had a lot of trouble over the last, what, let's say 10 years focusing on tag team wrestling. But I, I really wish that they would stop doing that. I really wish that they would allow tag teams to be together throughout their entire NXT run, come up to the main roster as a tag team, have a nice run and then see where it goes from there rather than trying to split everybody up and having everybody be a single star uh, before they even get to the main roster. I think that the creeds are definitely a good example of that. I mean, if, if you do see, if you do see that, you know, one of them is going to really make money for you, then go ahead and split them. But until then they work good as a tag team act um, and I would just say keep them as a tag team act if they're working properly that way. Um, again, I don't see big money in either one of those guys, um, and I don't know that you're gonna. I don't know that you can really measure that based off of a match against, um, you know, Jinder Mahal in NXT either. So, um, yeah, this match was fine but I was sort of similarly perplexed and that was sort of the thing that was going on in my head was 
Um, why do we have to split up tag teams constantly on NXT? Why can't we just let them get to the main roster and be a tag team? Well, there's been a few. I mean, the Street Profits, Hit Row, the Vikings, Raiders. But, uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, Alpha Academy, J- Jason Jordan got hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the heavy machinery got broken up pretty, you know, prematurely. Um, so it, it's it, there definitely has not been a focus on tag team wrestling under Vince. It looked like Triple H was bringing it back in earnest, which is good, though. You know, and they did have the gauntlet match on Raw, which was the main event, which was almost an hour worth of tag team wrestling. But it's not really traditional tag team wrestling when it's a gauntlet match. I mean, you know, yeah. a few of the matches are going to be short and gaga, and it's it, it's not exactly what I think we mean when we're talking about uh, a focus on tag team wrestling. Anyway, on to the next, where we next find ourselves in the training room with that doctor, and we have. Uh, Briggs and Jensen and Jensen is being consoled by Kiana James, who somehow seems to have real feelings for him now, which is bizarre. And Briggs is just hanging out with Fallon Henley, who loves them both, but totally in the friend zone, which how Briggs is okay with that. I'm not exactly sure, but that that's their dynamic swell. Um, and it just seems that uh, Kiana and Fallon uh, have this now they realize that they both sincerely seem to like the men and it's not just a ploy so maybe they begrudgingly like each other or have to get along that was sort of the uh the body language that i took from it, being a master of how women think that's that's what i got from that segment yeah being the you know i, I know that uh i know that you were the uh the inspiration for the character on what women want uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you're just showing your, your expertise here and, um, yeah, I think that was exactly the story they were trying to tell. Yeah. I mean, the, who else is more Casanova than a wrestling podcaster? Yes. Right. Um, right. everyone knows that all uh, of us, every single one of us, you've, <laughs> you've, you've never known a wrestling podcaster that was awkward with women. Never. never. Absolutely not. Not Yeah. Barely the fans too. They're, they're pretty cool too. <laughs> it's just, it's various degrees of the fans. Uh, um, we are now introduced to Stevie Turner, who's a female wrestler, a blonde. She's from NXT UK. Um, she's attractive, and apparently she is coming to the U.S. I don't know if it's long-term, short-term, but her gimmick seems to be that she's going to be a podcaster, social media influencer. So whoop de doo I guess, but okay, we'll see. I mean... I hate to say this, but I don't think they need any more women. They already have too many that they don't know what to do with. So unless they're planning to start an all-women show, um, which I'm all for, I, I, I don't I don't know what to do with all these people. I mean, there's no trades in wrestling. Um, so I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, did you have any thoughts on Miss Turner? Oh, no. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> this, this, I mean, to me, it just seems like a derivative of a derivative of a derivative at this point, like how much different is this character from Tiffany Stratton's like, no, not interested. Right. Or Logan Paul's. So next is the battle Royal. And, uh, you know, they made a big deal about Cora Jade being the first one in, but by the time we get back to the, the ring, the other 18 women are in there, except for Zoe Stark, who is the last entrant, but the, no fighting starts until they're all there. So it really doesn't matter the order. So I don't know why they did that. Cora Jade was also the first one ousted. I believe it was uh, Lyra Valkyria who ousted her. It wasn't clear. Again, commentary did a lousy job about telling you who was who and who was doing what. Um, 
which was especially bad for me. Like if you're if you're me on tonight, you're you're watching what is essentially the main event, what they've been talking about all night, and uh, right away as everything starts, you have no idea who's who or who's doing what. It, it was egregious. They they should have cut out some more things and given this some more time. And it's not even like they showed the graphic throughout the night with the faces and the names. They showed the faces once, but without the names. Um, but even that would have helped me. If I knew it was only going to be once, I would have hit pause and at least tried to write them all down. And, and then I went by memory and throughout the show. Anyway, not particularly more. So the Battle Royal itself was fine. It definitely would have benefited from more time so that we could have seen more action and more stories. There weren't that many. Um, we did see Kiana James rescue Fallon Henley, so it does seem like something's going on with that. We didn't see much work between Tatum Paxley and Ivy Nile, who are supposed to be the Diamond Mine team together. Um, Cora Jade came back after being eliminated towards the end and was eliminated almost immediately again, and then she tried to intervene in the match again and then failed. All of this seemed to be silly, spoiled girl things. They have too many mean girls i'd be okay if tiffany cora and toxic attraction united as a new toxic attraction but we'll get to that in a moment um probably the only thing of real note i mean they seem to want to make lash legend look strong but then she got eliminated and so it's not like they were really focusing on anyone particularly making them look good even though they're losing you know electra lopez had some moments but not enough in the Hartwell, but not enough. No one really shined in this. Um, someone named Danny Palmer lasted way too long, was and then got got eliminated. But it was the Sol Ruka spot, and basically the Sol Ruka spot was a version of a Kofi spot where she was thrown out of the ring, but she did a handstand and she was walking around on her hands. She sort of did an arch, but only one of her legs, uh, feet touched the ground, and then she hand walked around to the other side of the ring and. You know, nobody bothers to kick her and or throw anything at her. And she put her, she wrapped her legs, you know, from the knees and calves down around the bottom rope and did a sit-up to get back in there. So athletically, it was extremely important or impressive. Um, silly, you know, sort of silly that none of the other people bothered to do anything about, but it was an impressive spot, very athletic. That's what she obviously has. She has eerie athletics everyone's seen her finishing move all over twitter but she did not ultimately win um we had the final four well there was another spot where we thought wendy chu was eliminated but she wasn't she landed on her pillows but electra lopez who was already eliminated pulled the pillows out from under her and wendy chu hit the ground hard probably too hard um I don't like it when people who are already eliminated or eliminated or not in the match get to eliminate someone. I don't, every federation is doing that now. I don't know who started it. I don't know who, who did it second. They're both to blame for it because now everyone's doing it. I don't like it. It doesn't understand it. It, it shouldn't count. Electra Lopez should do better than Wendy Chu, who somehow won a match, I think against Cora Jade recently, which also makes no sense. Um, but before we get to the final four, did, did you notice anything that was noteworthy in this battle royal? I mean, just the fact that it was hard to follow. And like you said, I actually have a problem with this with this 
I have a real problem with people winning wrestling matches who aren't announced as part of the wrestling matches. I mean, even even though I liked what they did with Brock Lesnar and, you know, the boombox, you know, money in the bank, he wasn't a part of the goddamn match. How can he win money in the bank? Um, you know, uh, James Ellsworth winning the money in the bank a few years before that, not a part of the goddamn show. Like, why? how, how are these people winning matches that they aren't booked in it makes absolutely zero sense from any kind of a logical perspective and it pisses me off honestly when i see it people being eliminated by somebody who's not a member it's like you know if the cowboys are eliminated from playoff contention which of course they are because they're the cowboys (laughs) they can't suddenly come in and you know help someone beat green bay in order to keep green bay out of the playoffs that's not how sports works ever um, you know, I, it's, people will say it's a nitpick. I don't think it is a nitpick. If it doesn't know. make any logical sense, it shouldn't be done. I agree. I'm looking at Bloomberg still, and there's some news about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia sets up a new firm to invest in global mining assets, which I don't believe means that they uh, bought WWE according to Bloomberg. So, you know, we are now approaching the 2 a.m. Eastern hour and there's still nothing on Bloomberg about it. So I don't know what to say to that other than it is what it is. All right. So our final four was both members of Toxic Attraction, uh, Lyra Valkyria and Albert Fire. So perfectly good final four. Uh, They fought. It looked like the the heels were going to face the faces, but then it looked like the faces were going to eliminate each other. They had one um, spot where they were both outside on the apron uh Valkyria was sort of wrap, had her arms wrapped around the ring and Alba Fire was leaning all the way back trying to pull her off. This went on for a very long time with neither member of Toxic Attraction just simply kicking them off. I was annoyed by that. I mean, you think one of them could just go and, you know, bite a finger or something or crawl over. Nope. By the time that they uh, you know, ready themselves for battle, the, the two women somehow had extricated themselves. I, 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 this was one of the times where Core Jade came in and tried to interfere and, and it backfired on her. They sort of like she was going to try and take someone's legs out and they sort of did a like a jumping rope kind of thing and just jumped and missed, missed the leg. Um, anyway, uh, as it turns out, uh, Toxic Attraction did eliminate Alba and Valkyria, the two NXT UK alum. And then they, the ladies realized they won, but they had to face each other. Um, J.C. Jane volunteered to leave out, leave the ring. Uh, Gigi Dolan said, no, J.C., don't turn around. And then I guess J.C. took her advice and, and gave her a thrust kick to the knee. Gigi sold the knee injury. They started fighting in earnest. They both were sort of uh, climbing on the turnbuckle, hit each other, and simultaneously fell down. Um, it was not clear who won. There was one referee who called for uh jc jane there were three referees on the other side or i might have a backwards that called for gg dolan the refs and the ring announcer all got together they were looking on their ipads and whatever and they decided it was simultaneous so it will be a triple threat both members of toxic attraction won co-winners they got their wish the match did not continue until there was a winner it's going to be the two of them against roxanne perez 
which is either unfair for Roxanne Perez or will lead to the final end of toxic attraction, which couldn't possibly be reconstituted or survive without Mandy Rose. Or can they? That's the uh, that's the the cliffhanger going into the match. And then we also learn that Shawn Michaels has decided because of the ropes and the and the defect that uh, Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller will have a rematch in a steel cage at that February 4th PLE takeover. So we're going to run that match back. And that was NXT. What are your thoughts on the ending there, if any? Well, um, <laughs> you know, again, like I'm sort of filling in for Jimmy here. So it's my first time watching NXT and. I don't even know, at least a year and a half, maybe two years. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different here. And uh, again, I just kind of felt like there wasn't there were too many amateurish spots to feel like this is a true third brand. But there were too many uh, big names for it to feel like it's truly developmental territory. And it just kind of feels like it's in this weird spot where they don't know exactly what they want to be. Or maybe this is exactly what they want to be and it's just not my thing. Um, but I definitely think that I saw some talent on you know tonight that I feel like have a have real serious chance at becoming something in the future. You know, I feel like the Creeds probably would be a really nice addition to the tag team division uh, sometime in the next couple of years. Um, I really feel like Braun Breaker, as long as they give him a better name at some point, will make a for a really solid you know, mid-card guy right now. And maybe eventually he can become a top guy if he can develop a real personality or if he can develop a body like his uncle did in the second half of his career. Um, you know, but again, I there was a lot on here that I just felt like, okay, this is definitely a talent who is just spinning wheels or they're already old enough that I know they're not going to develop or they're not going to become something special. I think that the guys in Gallus are all pretty talented wrestlers, but I think that they're a weird body shape where they're thick, but they're not tall enough. Yeah. Um, they look like, you know, if, if your body type screams, um, you know, midget version of Nightheart, it's not a good future for you. Like, that's the professional wrestling is not going to be super kind to that guy. Um, and yeah, so it just kind of felt a little bit disjointed in that it, I'm not sure if, if what they want to be is, is a place where talent can develop or if they want to be a third brand. Um, this was meant to be a special night. This was meant to be like a real big, you know, important night for them. And again, labeling everything as new year's evil 11 days after new year's doesn't that mean that you already had one after new year's because it's there 11 days evil i mean the, you know they they have characters who are sort of witchy or whatever there there wasn't that much evil i said my my biggest takeaway from this aside from being underwhelmed and, and not excited about some of the people they're bringing back well, you know mixed feelings on it and and more people that we don't need we don't need more is that 
I'm a little bit concerned about Veer. I mean, this seems to be going on a lot longer than anyone thought. Mm. Uh, and I like the idea of Veer and Sangha being back together. I think Sangha is a huge guy. He's got a lot of potential. But him and Jinder just ain't it. Um, <laughs> no one with Jinder is really it. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about Veer, more because I think that directly affects Sangha. And I am the original Sangha maniac. Aside from that... Uh, you know, I'm sorry that your first introduction to the conflict in a while was an NXT, which was supposed to be a special show and really sort of was a underwhelming to, you know, borderline dud. Uh, I had much higher expectations for the Battle Royal, did not happen. I didn't have any such expectations for the, the world title match. And that met those expectations mm. with the sort of dopey ending and things like that. So anyway. well, the conflict was great. The You know, this show was fantastic. It's just, well, you know, so, sometimes you watch wrestling and, you know, if the show's not great, you can still have a great review show. And I feel like that's what we did tonight. So. Yeah, well, we can pat ourselves on the back for sure. And uh, so, sorry, folks, if you're expecting Jimmy T, but I don't think that anyone who's listening cares. I mean, we're, we're a mixed bunch anyway. Um, Chris, tell them where they can find you and uh, what do they need to know about the PMC? I guess the PWC, we should sort of shout out our friends at the uh, PW Hustle, at the Hummy Media Group, at Channel Attitude. Uh, we should say hi to Homeboy88, the, the professor, and... And you know a whole whole slew of people, but are there, uh, you know, is there any plugs or things that Jimmy usually says that I forgot, or do you just want to tell them where they can find you? No, I think for the conflict, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, you know, we're trying to get this thing back up and running and starting again, and uh, you know, people. Well, we're we've been in discussions about making something for the start of the show that we can just tack on in terms of like you know, please listen to X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, I think you covered pretty much everybody that we needed to. As far as me, it's uh, at Chris Ams at, uh, uh, on, over on Twitter. And um, I'm Christopher Ams on Facebook. You can go ahead and try to add me. Like I said, if you're cool, I will definitely be cool with you. And um, But if, you have a, if you're holding a, a wrestling belt in your profile picture, I don't know if it's going to work out, man. <laughs> all right well you can find me at icarus fell md i'm very happy to follow you back and i'm very happy to interact generally um obviously we're both on lots of shows here at the pwc uh help me with the with the network's address because you can find all the shows individually without subscribing to any services if you don't like it i think it's pwcnetwork.podbeam.com net i believe it's not yep, dot yep. com you okay, got it. okay perfect so please like and subscribe and follow that do the same with our friends over at channel attitude hameen hustle etc wrestling soup um you know if you uh, care to be a patreon for any of those be a oh, dollar club wrestling let's shout that uh, out too. yeah i cannot believe i forgot dollar club wrestling i my apologies. i just drove to hamburg two hours each way to to hang out with them and and catch a show and then and, and the one guys i forgot so the big once again i prove myself to be a big dummy but uh obviously i i i voted with my feet and my gas by actually moving and doing something so that should count for something um in other things you can find me other places uh hammerlock hangover is a wrestling show i do with do with steve pena actually everything that i do is is practically here on the pwc but you can find it other places as well garden of doom is sort of my curious exploration of the world in the world adjacent to the world and sort of going even outward and beyond of the world 
Garden Views is a sister show or a cousin show. Tends to be more topical, um, more what I would consider more of a mainstream uh, interviews, a lot of legal topics from student rights and victims' rights and how to sue terrorists and the laws of armed conflict. A lot of stuff that has to do with the extrapolation into space law, but might be interesting like maritime law and uh, uh, the, the Jones Act, which has to do with seamen, meaning people who work at sea. Um, uh, we, we learned how airports work from a retired two-star Air Force general in conjunction also with a 32-year veteran of both military and civilian air traffic control on two separate shows. I've had a bunch of law professors on. I interviewed one today who's both an economics professor and is an adjunct professor at the GW School of Law teaching space law. And so, you know, that's an emerging area. Uh, so that's a big curiosity of mine. So it's a recurring thing. And I dropped a show today on a gentleman who's an expert in cybersecurity, talked a little bit about uh, uh, blockchain and then cryptocurrency and TikTok, uh, but basically cybersecurity uh, aspects. And by expert, I mean, former assistant U.S. attorney, former attorney general for the state of Virginia, uh, former policy advisor for the White House. Uh, so I'm not talking about just some schlub who you know knows cybersecurity. Um, so somehow this little guy with almost no experience doing this has real deal guests. And uh, so check out those shows. And I think I've gone on long enough. Uh, we're probably running out of time on this Zoom as well. So everyone- 60 seconds. Yeah. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hopefully this will be a regular thing. You know, if not, whatever. And we'll check you out next time on another PW show and make sure to like the conflict. Absolutely. So for for Jeff, I'm Chris. You've been listening to The Conflict. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, and we'll definitely see you tomorrow for the uh, Wednesday night skirmish. And if it's not me and Jimmy, then I'll probably be bothering Jeff to come on with me again. And we'll be doing this recorded. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're hoping to be back to doing things uh, live moving forward. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get a little bit more organized here as a as a as a whole company, as a whole group. And uh, we'll be doing things a little bit different moving forward. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys later. We're all going to stay even, my friends. WC Network. What the world is watching and listening to.